from Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. This is WIA and the National News Service and now this is our President Phil Waite VK2ASD. At the recent board meeting on Tuesday the 1st of November, the new Treasurer Chris Hendry and Assistant Treasurer Jeff VK5IU gave the directors an outline of their views on the present financial and operational position of the WIA. After a week spent in the National Office and having reviewed the Institute's accounting records, Treasurer Chris Hendry told the Board that clearly the WIA is solvent and can pay its current liabilities, such as GST, employment PAYG and employee superannuation, as and when they fall due. The Treasurer cautioned that bringing the accounting records up to date will be time-consuming. However, despite the challenges, it's fixable, he told the Board. Reviewing all transactions over the year and correcting errors discovered will take time, but Chris Hendry expects it will be completed by the end of December, in time for the WIA's auditor to prepare the accounts for the AGM next May. The Treasurer and Assistant Treasurer are committed to producing an accurate profit and loss statement and balance sheet for the Board. Further, they plan to produce a reconciled set of financials to the Board each month. In addition, the Treasurers are developing an operating budget for 2017 for approval by the Board. A budget compliance report will be submitted to Board meetings each month. Processes have already been instituted to ensure that all WIA expenses are scrutinised. For any proposed expenditures over $1,000, competitive quotes must be sought and approved by the Treasurer. All unbudgeted expenditure over $1,000 must be approved by the Board. Members can be assured that the financial issues are not life-threatening, but there are challenges to maintaining the WIA's revenue streams and providing member benefits. They noted a number of programs are already underway to achieve this. Chris, VK3PAT, and Jeff, VK5IU, also highlighted the fact that there are many functions and activities that the WIA does perform well and are appreciated by members and the amateur community. The Board has also developed a charter for volunteers, which is being distributed to all volunteers throughout the committee system for their comments before a final charter is developed and ratified by the Board. The Treasurers recommended to the Board that a strategic review should be undertaken at an early opportunity. All Directors and the Secretary thank the Treasurers for their efforts, their honesty and enthusiasm for the work ahead. For a slightly more detailed news item on the Treasurers' report to the Board, please see the text edition of this broadcast. The next board teleconference is scheduled for Tuesday the 22nd of November following the STEM Symposium in Canberra on Saturday the 19th. This is Phil Waite, VK2ASD for the WIA. Thanks Phil. National President on VK1WIA with the news for week commencing November the 6th. WIA Media Guide. While getting publicity in the news media is not that difficult, it does require some planning and the right approach to get the best results. Each club needs a person who will be its spokesperson, someone who can write knowledgeably about the club and their events or activities, 
and suitable to be photographed or even interviewed on TV. The Wireless Institute of Australia has produced a media kit that will greatly assist with obtaining media coverage. Most clubs will have at least one local weekly newspaper and a community radio broadcast station. Other areas, maybe some local ABC radio and commercial stations as well, or even regional TV. All of these media outlets welcome local news if it's applied to them in a professional manner. It needs to show them what the story is about, how it should be of interest to their readers or audience, when and where it's happening, and who to contact for more information. The WIA Media Kit has a template media release and it gives a guide on how to prepare and execute coverage in the local media. It can be found in the members section on wia.org.au. The Australian Communications and Media Authority's five-year outlook sets out the priorities for spectrum management over the period with technology-driven demand in focus. The plan seeks to meet the ongoing mobile broadband update and plans for developments including 5G and the Internet of Things. The ACMA has issued a discussion paper for stakeholder consultation and submissions on the plan should be received by January next. The WIA is reviewing the document to see if it impacts current and future demands of the amateur and amateur satellite services. This is Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH, from the WIA Spectrum Strategy Committee with a further instalment on the WIA's licence condition submission to the ACMA. This week, it's about high power. I can hear the chanting floating across the valley here. What do we want? A thousand watts. When do we want it? Now. I was asked at a meeting a while back, when are we getting another high power trial? My answer was, we're not. A member at a different meeting asked, when the ZLs can have a kilowatt, why can't we? My answer was along the lines that the regulation of radio communications in New Zealand is a matter for the New Zealand government, while the regulation of radio communications in Australia, it's the business of the Australian government. Each government makes laws in its own jurisdiction as it sees fit. It's an issue of sovereignty, but let's not go there or we'll end up arguing the toss about the role and powers of the Governor-General. The Spectrum Strategy Committee has had the issue of the use of high power, that is, power output of greater than 400 watts peak, on the WIA's log of claims with the ACMA since the end of the now infamous high power trial in 2013. Many amateurs asked the question, why is it that we just can't have it, like amateurs in so many other countries, New Zealand, America, Canada, Japan and so on? The central issue comes down to that of compliance with electromagnetic radiation standards in Australia. The ACMA uses the term electromagnetic emissions, abbreviated EME, but the acronym EMR is also widely used for the same thing. Here's the kicker. Australia is unique in the world when it comes to radio communications regulation embodied in licence conditions and compliance with electromagnetic radiation standards. Here, the two things are linked but nowhere else in the world. In Australia, our radio communications regulator, the ACMA, has the responsibility to ensure compliance, and every licensee, not just amateurs, is required to comply. And there's no use complaining about, or blaming, what happened with the high-power trial of 2012-13. Consider it as water under the bridge. Complaining that New Zealand, America, Canada, Japan and other jurisdictions allow high power in their amateur licence conditions doesn't cut it. You're not comparing like with like. Sorry about that.
the ACMA has a responsibility to the public to ensure that electromagnetic emissions from all radio transmitting systems do not present a harmful situation. In fulfilling that responsibility, the ACMA needs to know where possibly harmful transmitter systems are located and that such locations are recorded on a licence. With that understanding, the Spectrum Strategy Committee is working with the ACMA to develop suitable procedures under which amateurs interested in running high power can make an application that meets the ACMA's technical and regulatory requirements. Talks are continuing. At club presentations, one or two people have asked me the reasonable questions. What experience have you had with high power and would you like to run more than 400 watts? Early in my career, part of my job was to operate and maintain transmitting equipment rated at up to 10 kilowatts. These days, would I like to run high power on the amateur bands? You betcha, but responsibly. One activity where you won't want to be lugging a kilowatt or 10 for a QSO is a national park. But next weekend, we'll see a record participation in Victorian national parks as dedicated and enthusiastic radio amateurs activate 40 unique VK3 national parks during their annual Keith Roger Memorial National Park Award activity period, and all with legal power. But before I give you further details, a well-known activator and hunter now has the award merit certificate, having logged reception reports with all 45 of them. John Dawes, VK5BJE, through dogged work, has now qualified. He says it's been great fun over about five years chasing operators in Victorian national parks. His log shows some of them will work while he was portable in Victoria, some in New South Wales and back home in South Australia. John VK5BJE says proving to be the most elusive for him was the Lower Goulburn National Park, but last month worked Rob VK4AAC Port 3 in that national park. He is expected to also join the Hunter's 6th Annual Keith Roger Memorial National Parks Award activation period Friday 11 until Monday 14 this month. Some 23 radio amateurs will be involved this year to provide a condensed weekend of portable activity to allow as many hunters and activators to consolidate contacts as they work towards their award goals. Once again, activators are travelling from VK2 and 5 to support the activity in 3. The current 40 parks will be activated on several bands and you can expect to hear both CW and SSB. The call signs, times, locations are on the Amateur Radio Victoria website which has the rules and the Parks and Peaks website. International news with thanks to IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. SO50 experiences terrestrial interference in 2 metres satellite subband. Recently, communications through the SO50 satellite over North America have been compromised due to a terrestrial station using 145.850 MHz, the uplink frequency for SO50. AMSAT North America reports the station appears to be located in the southeastern part of the United States. Still in space and a plan to take space weather by storm. We hams deal with space weather regularly, but what about everyone else? Yes, there is a plan, or there will be one soon in the United States. Amateur Radio Newsline's Mike Askins, Kilo Echo 5, Charlie X-Ray Papa, says his country's federal agencies now have until April 2017 to devise a comprehensive plan to predict, 
detect and deal with solar flares and other so-called space weather disturbances that could mess with the nation's technology, everything from GPS systems to satellites to the power grid itself. President Barack Obama's October 13 executive order directed Homeland Security, NASA, the Secretary of Defense and the Secretary of the Interior, among other officers, to find ways to be alert to such occurrences including geomagnetic storms. Obama ordered the agencies to find ways to protect or quickly repair the infrastructure consistent with the goal identified in the nation's 2015 National Space Weather Action Plan. Tom Callis Kilo Charlie Zero Whiskey, or KCOW, who was forced to abruptly cancel the rest of his cows over the World Pacific Day expeditions after his belongings were stolen in Kiribati, has been regrouping. I will be in the Philippines until November 25, and the call sign will be 4India7 Charlie Oscar Whiskey, Callis said in his QRZ.com profile. This unique prefix has never been issued before, so it should generate some good interest. He also reports fantastic progress in acquiring three Charlie and three Charlie Zero licenses. Equatorial Guinea is number 43 on the Clublog DXCC Most Wanted list and Obon is number 35. The Radio Society of Great Britain has weighed in following the airing of a Nightmare Neighbour Next Door episode on Channel 5 that featured an amateur radio operator. In the program, neighbours of 75-year-old Armando Martins, Mike Zero, Papa Alpha Mike of Kent, made unsubstantiated claims that RF radiating from his 30-foot vertical antenna was detrimental to their health. Unfortunately, the RSGB was not invited to be a part of Channel 5's Nightmare Neighbour Next Door program or to verify any facts, the RSGB said. We have, of course, contacted Channel 5 about our concerns and have highlighted the positive aspects of amateur radio. We have also offered our expertise and input for future programs where amateur radio is mentioned. Critics complained that the program was replete with false claims and note that Ofcom has never found any problems with Martin Station. From Australia, this is VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service on RF, internet streaming and text at wia.org.au. Operational News 2016, Adopt a Mill in Australia and Radioactivate It. A campaign is about to start to get as many mills on air here in Australia via portable amateur radio stations. While the Mills on the Air event each May has been confined to Europe, plans are now well advanced to bring it down under. Around Australia there are many former mills that process flour, sugar, timber and wool. On next week's broadcast, we'll have details on how one old mill is being put on air and we'll be asking others to start their planning to join it in May. Now as he's home from the gym, with more operational news, it's Felix VK4FUQ. And a reminder to the contestants that all major Australian contests, rules and results are in the contest section of the WIA website. Now, next weekend, November 11-14, sees the Keith Rocher Memorial National Parks Award activation. November 26-27, WIA VHF UHF Spring Field Day. November 26-27, CQ, WWDX, CW Contest, always the last four weekends in November. Now some November DX news. Until November 13, SN for kids. Polish radio amateurs are supporting UNICEF in its fight against child malnutrition. It is the intent of the Hams for Kids initiative to help children in need, particularly in Southern Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa. 
by focusing the collective efforts of the global amateur radio community to provide meaningful financial support to UNICEF's anti-malnutrition program. The initiative's radio station, SN for Kids, is on air until November 13, on all the HF bands plus 6 metres. RSGB News says that for every unique QSO with the SN for Kids, the organisers will donate 2 cents to UNICEF. So the more QSOs, the more money gets raised. Members of the radio club Admira in Romania are on the air with special event station YR95HMK and YP95HMK until the 15th of November to mark the 95th birthday of King Michael. Activities on 160-10 metres using CWSSB and RIDI. Radio Amateurs of Canada has told us it has secured permission for all Canadian radio amateurs to use special call sign prefixes to celebrate the 150th anniversary of Canada's Confederation. Listen for CF, CG, CH, CI. These special prefixes are optional and amateurs can use if and when to use the special prefix versus their normal prefix at any time during 2017. VP6AH Active from Pitcairn on as VP6AH until the 25th of November. SSB and digital. QSL to the home call, which is DL2AH. Federal Republic of Germany, DA. Special event station, DR777RI is QRV until the end of 2016 to mark the 777th anniversary of the town of Rintelen. QSL via DL8OBQ. Belgium, ON. Lions Clubs International Belgian Amateur Radio Operators are QRB as OR100LCI until March 2017 to mark its 100th anniversary. Activities on the HF bands using CWSSB and RIDI. QSL via ON8ZL. Rarotonga Island, IOTA OC013 till November 25, 2016. E51RR. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ Inningham. Hi, I'm Brian VK3GR and it's time for both Special Interest Group News and Media Watch. Wireless Men and Women at War, a new WIA publication out soon. Fully researched history stories covered in words and pictures trace the development of wireless communication in the lead up to and during World War I and through subsequent years and conflicts. It details the actions of many of the radio amateurs in those years and makes for interesting reading. WAA historian Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV, and the Publications Committee are proud to make the book available soon via mail order from the WAA bookshop. Now, Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ATV, where every pixel tells a story. BATC videos on YouTube. Videos of the talks at the recent British Amateur Television Club convention are now available on YouTube. Among the many talks are Receiving and Presenting Ham TV from the ISS by Noel G8GTZ, VHF UHF Propagation by Mike G0MJW, and a Practical Operator's Guide to 146 MHz Reduced Bandwidth TV by Sean G8VPG. To Worldwide Special Interest Groups, IOTA, Islands on the Air Activities, NA057. John AD8J will once again be active as HR9-AD8J from Roatan Island until November 12th. When he is not scuba diving, look for John on 80 through 10 metres using mostly CW. QSL via his home call sign AD8J. Now Worldwide Special Interest Groups, Medical. In the text edition, you will find many a link to medical nets, etc., but now it's to the northwest state of Washington in the USA. 
Naval Hospital Bremberton knows that talking about communication can't just be idle chatter when it concerns emergency response capability during a disaster. The Cascadia Rising 2016 earthquake exercise held throughout the Pacific Northwest tested the emergency management ability of multiple government agencies, and the recent Washington State assessment from that disaster drill was that the area still has work to do to be adequately prepared, especially concerning communication. Even though ham radio may be viewed as an ancient technology, it has proven its reliability, dependability and versatility, stated Loma. Loma notes that in any disaster or large-scale drill that went bad, communications, or lack thereof, is always one of the top issues that falters. Adding ham radio capabilities enables contact outside the command to keep staff and members informed. Let's continue in special interest group news and uh, this theme of rescue radio, and this time it's a word from our north. Weissen Weather Watch. Cyclone season is about and northern hams need to be in the know about curly wind movements to be ready for activation. Townsville Amateur Radio Club have provided a series of very useful interweb links to enable you to keep an eye on these. Tark suggests you check regularly with the Australian Bureau of Meteorology website and the alternate ones given in this week's email text news. And if you happen to be in the Townsville area this weekend, Cyclone Sunday, promoting community awareness of the cyclone season organised by the Townsville City Council, is at Strand Park from 9am till noon. That's Sunday, 6th of November. November 1st marked the start of the cyclone season, but are you cyclone ready? Grab your free waterproof document wallet, have your important document scanned into a USB, chill out in the kids' zone, and go into the draw to win some great prizes and enjoy the entertainment provided. Get there now, because later's too late. Now to special interest groups, summits on the air. SOTA activations exceed expectation. Last week, Ed brought you details of the summits on the air. Australia to Europe Summit to Summit super event, where 73 summits were activated. Now the RSGB have reported a similar event is being discussed between European and North American soda activators. Now I'll sign off from Melbourne and leave you with Clive VK6 CSW from the Amateur Radio Old Timers. Until next we meet, I'm Brian VK3GR and you're tuned to VK1WIA. Tomorrow... Monday, November the 7th, the Radio Amateurs Old Timers Club of Australia's monthly news and information bulletin will go to air. This month, as well as all the usual REOTC news, we feature two items, one on bitumen and the other on microwaves. What the connection between bitumen and amateur radio is, I have no idea, but Ian VK3JS will enlighten us tomorrow. The principal HF transmission will be on 20 metres on 14.150 MHz upper sideband starting at 0100 UTC, beamed north from Melbourne for the eastern states. An hour later, at 0200 UTC, Chris VK6JI will repeat the program transmitting from Perth on 40 metres on 7088 kHz lower sideband simultaneously with the transmission via all linked NewsWest repeaters. Numerous local relays also take place. Details for your local area transmissions can be found at the RAOTC website www.raotc.org.au 
From Tuesday you can download the audio file from this website. Membership details can also be found here. Everyone, REOTC members and non-members alike, is invited to listen to this interesting half-hour of old-timer news and information, and we hope to hear your call sign amongst the callbacks afterwards. So once again, the RAOTC November Bulletin is on air tomorrow, Monday, November the 7th. Sim 3 from Clive, VK6CSW. The latest Hackaday magazine has part two of Hams in Space, well worth a read, although in their over-to-you reader comments, a bunch of ex-hams seem to have that angry old men syndrome. Funny that. Now comes word from WIA's Jim Litton, VK3PC, of an interesting video on RS through the years. The advent of the International Space Station launched in 1998 as an unmanned module and its progression to a full research facility with crew is shown by a new video. Gastrum Bertels, ON4WF, traces the history, including it making history itself in 2001 with a handheld transceiver bringing the very first amateur on the International Space Station or ARIS contact to life. That milestone in September of that year was with a school group near Chicago. Both the FCC and Russia had issued amateur service call signs for use by the astronauts. Gaston, ON4WF, says there have been many such contacts putting schools in contacts with space travellers via amateur radio since. His video looks at the development over the years of the RS equipment in space. It also talks about the HAM TV project that began in 2014 and a future slideshow facility for it. This YouTube video of 12 minutes covers the past, present and future milestones. Now to the social scene, 2016, and first up we're joined by WIA Director Roger Harris and VK2ZRH with a snippet of social news concerning Dick Smith, VK2DIK. On Saturday, 22nd October, I joined a throng of electronics industry identities, past and present, at Dick Smith's home on Sydney's North Shore. The invitation-only event drew key past and long-term employees, industry identities from the 1970s and 80s, and some of Dick's partners in various adventures around the world. The proprietors of the widely known electronics stores Alltronics, Jack O'Donnell, and J-Car, Gary Johnston, joined the small group in Dick's helicopter hangar. Both adopted the DSE electronics retailing model and built successful businesses. Alltronics is based in the West Australian capital of Perth, while J-Car is headquartered in Sydney. As it happened, Phil Waite, VK2ASD, was there too. Other industry identities of the 1970s and 80s swelled the crowd, including Owen Hill of Microbee fame, Greg Ackman of Mobile One, the famous manufacturer of mobile antennas, and Colin Rivers, publisher of Electronics Today International in that era, where Phil Waite and I worked. Dick's very first employee, Marshall Gill, turned up. He worked for Dick in his original car radio business in the late 1960s. Also, there was Ross Tester, who ran Dick's advertising division for years, and the architect of those famously crowded magazine advertisements, with black and white illustrations and tiny, tiny type. One of the longest-serving employees, Chris Ayres, appeared, who started with DSE as a components buyer and survived through all the ownership eras beginning with Dick himself, then Woolworths, and finally Anchorage Capital. In his typical ebullient style, Dick stood on a chair in his helicopter hangar and harangued the audience with his views on the myth of continuous growth and how the management of Dick Smith Electronics by Anchorage Capital 
brought on the final collapse of his and wife Pip's baby. Dick told us that he and Pip dreamed that the firm would last 50 years. In the end, it lasted 47. It had taken 15 years for Dick and Pip and a phalanx of enthusiastic employees to build Dick Smith Electronics and sell out to Woolworths for some $20 million in the mid-1980s. In reviewing DSE's history, Dick echoed the words of DSE's administrator, McGrath-Nickel, on what went wrong. Dumb management blunders, such as expansion beyond belief, buying too much inventory, wrong product choices and too much debt. Dick was highly critical, saying the tragedy was a typical example of professionals that didn't know retail, never worked in the business and thought that if a dummy like Dick could make money, just think what professionals could do. Unsurprisingly, there was a smattering of radio amateurs among the throng. Aside from VK2DIK himself, Ike Bain, VK2AIG, Chris Ayres, VK2YUS, Mark Plowman, VK2MP, and Sandy Brewsmith, XVK2AD, and a ZL now. I'm unsure if I caught up with all those with a call sign. A small but significant event. Now, back to VK1WIA News. Sticking with the social scene, let's hope you didn't miss Gold Coast Hamfest or Melbourne QRP by the Bay at Chelsea Beach or Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society's Hamfest, which have been on this weekend. Now, November 15, VK3, EMDRC meet the WIA. WIA directors Andrew and Paul to visit the Eastern and Mountain District Radio Club, EMDRC. So, who doesn't like a sausage and a piece of bread? If you are keen for a snag and a chat with your WIA directors Andrew Smith, VK6AS, and Paul Simmons, VK5PAS, then the Eastern and Mountain District Radio Club invites you to our club rooms in Burwood on Tuesday night, the 15th of November, when Paul and Andrew will visit our club. We will fire up the barbecue from 6.30 and the director chat will start at 8pm. The gathering is open to all hams, so come along and meet your new WIA directors when they travel to Melbourne and see what they have to say. The Eastern and Mountain District Club Rooms are located at 13A McCubbin Street in Burwood. And for more information, head to the club's website, emdrc.com.au, or just search VK3ER on Facebook. We hope to see you on the night. Thanks, EMDRC. Hello, this is Tim, VK3TJC, of the Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club reminding listeners that the Rosebud Radio Fest will be held once again this year on Sunday the 20th of November. As usual, the event will be held at Eastbourne Primary School at Lambie Avenue, Rosebud, with outdoor displays open from 8am and the main sale area open from the new earlier time of 9.30am, continuing through till 1.30pm. If you have pre-loved equipment to sell, tables are still available at $10 and can be booked online at www.rosebudradiofest.com. But be quick, as only a few tables are available. Technical forums will be held as part of the Rosebud Radio Fest and topics include the Spark Auto-Tune High Efficiency Mobile Antenna Project, a presentation by Jack Bramham, VK3WW, on ARDF fox hunting, and finally a presentation by Peter Parker, VK3YE, on handheld QRP antennas. The event has full catering, plenty of off-street parking, 
and great door prizes. The entry fee is only $6 with under-12s free. This event presents an ideal opportunity to make a family day of it. So bring your family and enjoy the Rosebud Radio Fest. The beaches, parks, wineries, shops and restaurants of the Mornington Peninsula. See you in Rosebud on the 20th of November. 7-3 from the Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club. Thanks, Tim. Now, finally, on the social scene for 2016, on November 26 in VK7, it's the Miana Ham Fest on Saturday the 26th. Now, until next we meet, I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly. From Australia, this has been VK1WIA and the weekly WIA amateur radio news service. On RF, we thank our rebroadcast team and you for listening. And remember, internet streaming and text of this news is available 24-7 at wia.org.au.